We are all gathered here today at the annual convention, and we're talking about just how magical it feels to be here today. Welcome to Sisters on Air on the Voice of Islam Radio, produced by Durishvar Anwar and Shermeen Butt. Melissa, Khulud, Samal, and Khola. Melissa is a mother of two and a trained RE teacher. Khulud is a medical student studying in London. Samal is a first-year politics and international relations student. She is also a producer for the Drive Time Show for the Voice of Islam Radio. Khola has a degree in comparative literature and is now completing her master's in law. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. The site itself, originally known as Oakland's Farm, but now named Hadikatul Mehdi, or Garden of the Mehdi, spans over 200 acres, hosts tens of thousands of guests, and features a number of marquees for speeches, exhibitions, meals, and of course, cups of tea. <laughs> the atmosphere here, as I'm sure our panel of Sisters on Air team can attest to, is incredible especially being the first almost normal convention following two years of COVID restrictions and limitations. The outpouring of hospitality from all the volunteers, the joy of meeting old friends and making new ones, and without a doubt, the anticipation of being addressed live by our Caliph, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, is electrifying. Our long-standing listeners may already be aware of what the annual convention is. But for those of you that may not know, the convention is organized and held by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community once a year, bringing together members of the community from around the country to focus on increasing our religious knowledge, reinforcing relationships within our community, and ultimately rejuvenating our spiritual connection with God. To get us started, I'd like to find out about our panel's experiences of Jalsa, We've had a couple of unconventional conventions these past few years with COVID restrictions and social distancing regulations, but this year it feels as though we might almost be getting back to normal. We're still being cautious and the annual convention this year is a masked event with some precautionary measures in place. So to start, I'd like to put a question to the whole panel. What does attending the annual convention in person mean to you? What have your personal experiences been like? Also, what sort of benefit do you feel as though you get from attending the convention? Melissa? So for me, the convention is just like home. It's the highlight of our year. And for many years, me personally, I traveled down from the Northwest for the special occasion. It's a time to pray in huge congregation behind the Caliph of the time and listen to the wise words and speeches from people all over the country and in previous years, the world. The journey to Jalsa will be full of anticipation of getting there and feeling the atmosphere change, either staying on site or in the accommodation or nearby, and just getting stuck in with the different voluntary roles and meeting new people through that shared mutual love. Melissa, I love that you called the convention home because that's (laughs) truly what the convention is. It's the one time in the year that we all get together in what feels like the home that our beloved promised Messiah, peace be upon him, built for us by propagating and rejuvenating the teachings of Islam as brought by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, several hundreds of years ago. Also, praying behind our beloved Caliph, may Allah be his helper, feels like such an honor, especially after not being able to do so for a few years. It's something that I'm really looking forward to doing, inshallah. 
We're also so blessed as we have the opportunity to serve and play a small role in giving back to our communities at this convention. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I've, I've been blessed to serve in different departments for the annual convention over the years. And one thing I've noticed is just how much you learn. This tent city known as Jalsa Salana in Hampshire, it just helps you to build your skills in almost every field. And I've been really lucky and blessed to serve in the press and media team, to record with other people, to meet journalists and guests who have come to soak up the atmosphere, and also to film for a documentary for the BBC. These are, these are just amazing experiences which I would have never have had or thought to have had if it wasn't for the blessings of the annual convention. And I've also had other roles previously, like being in security and outreach, which always means you get to meet new people. And that's also a benefit of such a huge event too. And even right now, recording live on air for The Voice of Islam with a new team of ladies, these are all blessed experiences, which I know that I'll treasure forever. And it's such a wholesome experience that no matter what your volunteer role you may serve in, that you'll see those familiar faces year upon year and you build those bonds of friendship with people that you may only get to see them for that weekend for the whole year. But in serving together, it's a special experience and it's one that you look back on and remember so fondly. You're so right about that, Melissa. Being a part of this annual convention gives you the opportunity to take part in things that you'd never think were imaginable. Filming a documentary for the BBC sounds pretty amazing. It's incredible that you were able to have all those varied experiences through volunteering at the convention. It feels like such an honor to be able to represent our community on a platform like that. I feel like serving together is also so special because we're all so united in our belief system. I feel as though to provide acts of service together feels fulfilling in a way that nothing else can quite compare to. Even if we all just play a really small part, it's when we all come together that we can actually make a huge difference, not just in our wider communities, but actually the whole world. The possibilities are endless when we all join together to make a positive difference in this world. And that's a huge part of what the annual convention is all about. I feel like we all have an inner fire and motivational drive in us to make a significant impact in this world for the better and to eliminate the injustices that we all see in this world. I personally feel so, so blessed to be part of this group that we call Sisters on Air because our platform gives us a unique space that not many are blessed with to allow for progress and change for the better in this world. Yeah, definitely. And the convention has always been an opportunity to be in an environment where everyone is united in that spirit of service. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from, but that spirit binds people together. And for me, it has and always has been sisterhood in action. And on a lighter point, as we're in the middle of the countryside, phone signal can be scarce, which is such a blessing. And it's a way to disconnect from the world and reconnect with our creator. And it's not often you can say that you're literally cut off from the real world in a way that recenters you. And in this way, it's the spiritual boost that's needed to reset the summer holidays here in the UK. And for me, it's a reminder that our spiritual purpose and progress is far greater and more important than our worldly lives. And it's an opportunity to remind ourselves not to lose ourselves in chasing the world and rather to feed and nurture that spiritual side of ourselves. Yes, you're absolutely right about that, Melissa. Disconnecting ourselves from material things for a few days gives us the opportunity to focus on our inner growth and reflect deeply on what's truly important, which are actually the intangible things, such as harmony, peace, sisterhood, justice, and living a life of integrity and piety. It's at this convention that we get an opportunity to reflect on our actions in the past year since the previous convention, 
and start to think about the positive impact of the changes that we are able to make within ourselves as a result of applying all the teachings that we took away from the last Jansa. It further gives us an opportunity to re-examine ourselves and think about how we can bring further change within ourselves. It's really, really important that we all strive to instill all the teachings that we learn from the convention and embed these into our personalities. This should be a period of growth for us and we should utilize this experience as such and take utmost advantage of it while we have the opportunity to do so. Attending the annual convention should be a time of year when we try to strengthen ourselves spiritually. Unfortunately, this is not something that's really emphasized outside of the annual convention in the, so to speak, real world. So it's an enormous blessing to have an event such as this one, which gives us the tools that help to elevate ourselves spiritually, which thereby enables us to make positive differences in the communities we belong to when we do return back home from the convention. We're now going to go on a short break. We'll see you very soon. Please join us back in just a few minutes. Love for all, hatred for none. We believe that all people are born equal and we are against all forms of discrimination based on caste, creed or color. There is an account narrated about Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani, may Allah have mercy on him, that when he set out away from home for the purpose of his education, his noble mother sewed his share of 80 coins into the underarm of his shirt and advised him, Son, do not lie. When Syed Abdul Qadir departed, on the first day of his journey, he passed through a jungle that was inhabited by a large band of thieves and robbers. A party of robbers confronted and apprehended him. The robbers asked, What have you got in your possession? Syed Abdul Qadir thought to himself that he was being tested in the first stage of his journey. He reflected over his mother's advice and said, I have 80 coins which my noble mother has sewn into the underarm of my shirt. The robbers were extremely surprised on hearing this and said, What is this dervish saying? We have never seen such a righteous man. They took him and putting him before their chief related the entire story. When the chief questioned him, Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani gave the same response. Finally, when his shirt was torn at the place that he had described, it turned out that there were indeed 80 coins sewn into his shirt. All the robbers were astonished, and the chief asked why Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani had told them the truth. At this, Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani mentioned the advice that his mother had given him before he departed. He said, I have set out as a student of religion. If I had told a lie at the very first stage of my journey, what could I expect to attain? And so, I chose to stand by the truth. When Syed Abdul Qadir had said these words, the chief burst into tears, fell at his feet, and repented for his sins. It is said that this chief was the first follower of Syed Abdul Qadir Jalani. In short, truth is a thing that delivers a person in even the most trying and difficult of times. Saadi is true when he says, Never have I seen go astray the one who treads the right path. Therefore, the more a person adopts the truth and develops a love for the truth, the deeper a love and understanding they develop for the word of God and also for his prophets, because they are an example 
and source for all those who are truthful. This principle is also prevalent in the following instruction. Be with the truthful. Welcome back. We are all talking about the beauty of the annual convention, and before the break, we were speaking about how we can all see the true essence of Islam being practiced here at the annual convention, with everyone coming together as brothers and sisters and existing in true peace and harmony. It is at this annual convention, or in Urdu, Jalsa Salana, when we all put any worldly problems that we have to the side, come together and bathe in an event in which we feel as though we are cleansing our souls and strengthening our spiritual states so that once we do go back into our busy lives, we're better versions of ourselves. I used the word bathe there, which makes me think of bath. Pledging our allegiance to our beloved caliph, may Allah be his helper, is always a very emotional experience for me, as it is for many. I find it so beautiful the way that His Holiness, may Allah be his helper, stretches out his hand, and the members participating in bath all join up by placing their hands on one another's backs. I remember growing up in the States, I would tend to watch the convention on MTA, and because of the time difference, my parents would wake me and my siblings up early so we could participate in the international bath. There is so much warmth and comfort and strength that we derived from reciting the pledge behind His Holiness, may Allah be His helper. It's a moment where I forget everything else in this world. Nothing else feels important. The problems that seemed significant to me over the course of the previous week or past couple of months seem so small after feeling the significance of what is truly important, which is to take the oath of allegiance behind His Holiness and reawakening ourselves to the greater purpose that we all live for. No material problem in this world comes close to a fraction of the significance that our purpose as Ahmadi Muslims holds. There's no experience that takes place on earth that is quite like the international bath that takes place here at the UK Annual Convention. Simil, I'd like to ask you the same question. What does the convention mean to you? convention for me is a form of escapism. We all lead busy lives. I, for one, am a student and that can be a lot to handle. The annual convention is a three-day event in the middle of the countryside which allows us to all step back from our daily lives and reflect. Reflect on everything we have, whether that's the people in our lives, the community around us or just constant guidance we receive under one divinely appointed leader. His Holiness, Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, the current worldwide head of the Andhya Muslim community. There is this common phrase within our community of having the Jalsa Blues the following days or weeks after the event has been held. And it's very real because a lot of us miss the loving atmosphere of the event. We get to see the dedication of thousands of volunteers who are involved in the running of the event. We get to see the smiles of so many people, which makes us all smile. I'm reminded of the blessings I've been given in my life through this convention, and it improves my spiritual development. Simon, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And as a student myself, over the years, the annual convention has played a massive part of my summer holidays too, and is something I always look forward to all year round. 
And as, from as early as I can remember from when I was a little girl, <coughs> I have so many memories of attending the convention and in fact helping and hosting all the international guests who would come for the convention, especially at Fuzzle Mosque in London. Um, that was when the Caliph of our community resided there and many guests and delegates from all over the world would arrive for private audiences with His Holiness. And so for about two weeks before and two weeks after the convention every year, my sisters and I would spend our full days at Fuzzle Mosque, you know, serving teas and coffees to the guests, helping with directions and information, and just generally ensuring that all the guests were well looked after. And I feel like having had that opportunity to have been involved with voluntary work during my summer holidays growing up has honestly shaped the person that I am today. And I'm so grateful to have had that opportunity. Thank you so much, Khalud and Simon, for sharing that. What about you, Hola? Without a doubt, I would agree with everyone else who's mentioned that the sense of community and belonging that JALSA, the annual convention, brings with it is second to none, and indeed something that we eagerly anticipate year upon year. Of course, this sense of community is apparent in various ways, but what was particularly striking to me as a young girl and even now is the remarkable scene of Ahmadi Muslims having arrived from all around the world to attend the annual convention. This was apparent particularly when I used to take part in water duty as a young girl. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with what this is, to explain briefly, this duty is often taken up by young children volunteering to serve drinking water to the guests of the convention throughout the day. And something I noticed back then, and even now, is just what a rewarding experience this can be. It always fascinated me how easy it was to interact with guests from all over the world, who may not even speak the same language as me, simply by pouring on a glass of water. And this gesture was always acknowledged with so much gratitude. Even if I accidentally spilled a little water on them, they did not hesitate to thank me with a smile or a reassuring gesture. And albeit a menial task to some, I found that the experience of serving water at the annual convention as a young girl instilled such a great sense of compassion in me. My mother in particular always reminded me and my siblings of the importance of serving the guests of the promised Messiah and peace be upon him at the annual convention and without a doubt it is from this experience of volunteering as a young girl that I learned what a beautiful feeling it is to have the opportunity to do so regardless of how small the task may seem. That's really beautiful, Hola. Can you talk more about serving the guests of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him? What does that mean? And can you explain why that's so significant to you? Yes, so the idea is that all attendees of every annual convention have come as guests of the founder of the Hemathia community and the host of the very first annual convention in India. And this phrase, serving the guests of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, that I heard my mother tell me as a young girl was so striking to me. I couldn't quite fathom that such an opportunity existed. I love that. That's exactly how I see it, Hola, as serving the guests of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And that's exactly the way I now like to describe it to my daughters as well. Yes, exactly. And I think perhaps because at the time, because I was so young, I instantly conjured up a very vivid image in my head of guests arriving to the annual convention in the UK from Guardian, India, dressed in their traditional attire, and somehow that made me feel closer to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, as though he was right there and I was fulfilling a task that he had personally ascribed to me. And even though this recollection of my experience of Jalsa, the annual convention, as a young girl may sound a little humorous to some, 
I cannot deny that it is nonetheless something that remains with me even today, and I still find it quite difficult to comprehend the sheer magnitude of such an opportunity. Absolutely. I can attest to having the same feelings, Rolla. Yes, exactly. So this phrase is something that remains with me even today and each year that I'm able to serve as a volunteer, regardless of what role it is. I feel incredibly blessed to have the opportunity to serve again the guests of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and reap the benefits and blessings of Jalsa, the annual convention. Absolutely. It's truly a time to do just that, reap benefits and blessings. Indeed. And to answer the second part of your question, Michelle, about the benefit I get from attending Jalsa, the annual convention, I would return to this point about water, only in a different sense. See, time and time again, we hear His Holiness, Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, the head of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, remind us that we gather during the days of the Jalsa, the annual convention, every year to quench our spiritual thirst. And His Holiness delivers several addresses throughout the three days of Jalsa, the annual convention, from which we take so many pearls of guidance and endeavor to instill such teachings in our daily lives even after the three days of Jalsa, the annual convention. And what could possibly be more beneficial than that? You're absolutely right about that, Hola. There are not many things, um, if anything, that could be more beneficial than what you've just described. Yes, and in particular, His Holiness has reminded us that the days of the annual convention are crucial in bringing about a pure change in ourselves and treading upon the path of righteousness so that after the three days of Jalsa, the annual convention, we feel refreshed and reformed. Whilst, of course, the annual convention is a great opportunity to reunite with old friends and converse with Ahmadis we have not met before, His Holiness reminds us that this is not the sole purpose of Jalsa, the annual convention, because such benefits can be obtained from elsewhere too. And indeed, the very reason that the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, established Jalsa Salana, the annual convention, was so that we could gather together to improve our spirituality. In this sense, it is a very special occasion and indeed place to be, because like Melissa said earlier, we can switch off from the world, our havoc of our daily lives, and focus all of our attention on learning and striving to improve ourselves. And in light of this, I'm reminded of His Holiness has mentioned on one of the occasions of Jalsa Salana, and indeed various occasions, that all attendees should keep this purpose in mind that we must give precedence to God Almighty and our faith over worldly desires. And in order to achieve this, we must listen attentively to what is being mentioned throughout the annual convention and then assess ourselves accordingly so that we can instill a pious change in ourselves. Yes, absolutely, Hola. That's what it's all about. Ultimately, it all comes down to making efforts towards increasing our states of righteousness and seeking to elevate our states of piety. Yes, and throughout the day, we also hear speeches, various poems, and recitations of the Holy Quran from different guests, which are all simultaneously translated into several languages so that all participants of Jalsa, the annual convention, can reap the benefits of the teachings being shared with us. And I love that throughout Jalsa, the annual convention, we hear from such a diverse range of people in various languages, be it speeches or recitations of poems in different languages. I particularly enjoy hearing the recitation of poems throughout the three days, be they poems written by the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him himself, or poems about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or even about Khilafat. It is such a beautiful statement and testament to our roots 
and a very moving display of emotion, especially when we hear and see people sing poems in their own language and witness them being able to express their love for Khilafat and Ahmadiyyat in such a resounding way. Thank you for sharing that with us. I agree with everything that you ladies have shared. Jalsa is truly a transformative experience, which offers us so much potential for inner growth. The lessons that we take away from Jalsa, the annual convention, are things that we carry with us for the rest of our lives, and it really feels as though we leave the convention feeling energized from a spiritual point of view. It's now time for another quick break. I hope that you'll join us back in just a few minutes. Of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Islam states, I conclude with the prayer that everyone who travels for attending this convention, that is, for the sake of Allah, may Allah the Exalted be with him, reward him in abundant measure, have mercy on him, ease up for him his circumstances of hardship and anxiety, and eliminate his anguish and grief. May he grant him freedom from every single hardship, and lay open for him the ways of achieving his cherished goals, and raise him up on the day of judgment amongst those of his servants who are the recipients of his blessings and mercy. May he be their guardian in their absence until after their journey comes to an end. O Allah, O sublime one and bestower of bounties, the ever merciful and one who resolves all problems, do grant all these prayers and grant us victory over our opponents with scintillating signs because you alone have all the prowess and power. Amin. Amin. Welcome back from the break. We are all gathered here today at the annual convention, and we're talking about just how magical it feels to be here today. Community is one of the focal points at the annual convention, Jalsa Salana, and I think that this aspect is more appreciated now than ever before, following what we have all experienced as a result of the pandemic. It was during COVID when, for the first time in all of our lives, we were in a state in which we were completely isolated from each other. We all know from living through that experience the detriment that it takes on us as a society when we don't have that community support. Human beings are social animals, and we're designed at a very molecular level to derive benefits from interacting with one another. Communication and socialization is not only something that we do for our enjoyment, but in fact, it's something that we need for our survival. Information sharing is one of the most important methods behind the growth of civilizations. Communication is one of the most powerful tools from which mankind has derived benefit and growth from. On a more individual level, a variety of medical issues can develop from lack of so socialization and isolation such as depression and anxiety. If this occurs in childhood, it can be more serious from a variety of behavioral disorders and poor mental health. Hence, it's easy to understand why the impact of communities is as large as it is. Communities help to provide comfort, support, growth, and ultimately help to facilitate progress. Living inside communities helps those living inside them with peace of mind especially in moments of our lives that are difficult to navigate. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a very special community because we have a single leader, our caliph, from whom we seek guidance and comfort. In moments when others might feel lost or in despair, 
we feel blessed that we can turn to the guidance of His Holiness. Even though there were virtual events that were held in 2020 and 2021, that feeling of connection to the wider community was somewhat lost and sorely missed. That is why in this episode of Sisters on Air, we really want to focus on what the community means to us, why community is so important for our spiritual development, and how the Ahmadiyya community is unified under our spiritual leader, His Holiness, Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the promised Messiah, peace be on him, hosted the very first annual convention, Jalsa Salana, in 1891 in Gadian, India, which was incidentally attended by just 75 people. He explained the purpose of this convention to be to further the spiritual and moral advancement of those attending. He further explained the purpose to be a place where attendees could experience beneficial social interaction and, most importantly, to increase their personal relationship with God. Khulud, can you talk about what the Promised Messiah explained as the goals or purpose of Jalsa and where community fits into this vision? Yes, yes, of course. Um, first of all, well, can I just say, hearing that again, that there were only 75 attendees in the first annual convention, and now to think that over 30,000 people attend each year just here in the UK, annual conventions are of course held in each country where Ahmadi Muslims are established. I mean, it's surreal, and I believe it truly attests to the undeniable magnetism of the convention, the way so many people are drawn to it. And anyone who's attended in person would agree that in the arena there's a sense of unworldliness in the air. It's hard to put it into words, but it truly feels as if God is even closer to us when we're at the convention. And indeed, this reflects exactly what the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, stated about the goals and the purpose of the convention. I have the quote here with me, if I may read it out loud. Um, So the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, said... The primary purpose of this convention is to enable every sincere individual to personally experience religious benefits. They may enhance their knowledge and due to their being blessed and enabled by Allah the Exalted, their perception of Allah may progress. Among its secondary benefits, it's that this congregational meeting together will promote mutual introduction among all brothers and it will strengthen the fraternal ties within this community, end quote. So you see, especially at the end there, building bonds and strengthening ties within the community are key objectives of this gathering. And by the end of it, everyone really does leave with a great sense of belonging and unity and community spirit. Today is Friday, the holy day of the week for Muslims, where all year round Muslims gather for a congregational Friday prayer following a sermon. And for Ahmadi Muslims, the sermon of our Caliph, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, is broadcast live from the Mubarak Mosque in Islamabad, Tilford, for all to listen in. At the annual convention in the UK, however, We are so extremely lucky that we are graced by the physical presence of His Holiness at the convention site and we get to listen to his Friday sermon live and in person. This is something I'm really excited about as I'm just looking at the time now and there are only a few hours left. 
For me, His Holiness's sermon and the Friday prayers really mark the beginning of the convention. As going back to your original question, Michel, in his sermon, His Holiness often highlights and reminds us of the objectives and the purpose of the next three days. And this really does set the atmosphere and I always find it so inspiring. For example, I have a quote from one of His Holiness's sermons from a couple of years back, in which he said, and I quote, The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has said that the fundamental purpose of this convention is that through it such a community should be prepared or come into being that should always be increasing its knowledge and cognizance of God Almighty, in whom the fear of God should begin to grow, in whom piety and righteousness should be found developing, who should be always craving for God, who should be found having deep love for each other, whose hearts would be soft and caring and full of love for each other, and whose brotherly love for each other should exemplify the Quranic injunction of Ruhamau Bainahum, which means tender among themselves, as referred to in chapter 48, Surah Al-Fat, verse 30 of the Holy Quran. Humility and submissiveness should become their habit, and they should establish such high standards of truth as would be not found anywhere else, and they should have in their hearts a burning passion for spreading Islam into the very corners of the earth, and they should be ready to sacrifice their life, wealth, time and honour for this work every moment of their lives. So all of us who have gathered here today, we need each and every one of us needs to examine ourselves. We should realise that we took great trouble to travel to this place and gather together. So those who have come for this convention need to remember all these things and examine whether respecting the wishes of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, they are fulfilling this purpose of the convention. End quote. So yeah, I wanted to include this quote as I think it really encapsulates what the next three days are about. Thank you for sharing that message about the purpose of the convention with us. You said that it was hard to put it into words. But I think magnetism might be the right word to describe it. The feeling of being drawn to the convention, being excited to attend come rain and muddy boots, or sunshine and, and immense heat. In the quote you read to us by the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, fraternal ties and community are listed as secondary benefits of the convention. But as evidenced by the words of His Holiness in the second quote you shared, I don't think this should be read as less important. The teachings and practice of Islam embed community as a means to support the primary objectives of nearness to God and spiritual development. It's a necessary part of the spiritual journey that Muslims are on. So although the annual convention is a yearly event, Islam promotes community, togetherness, and unity amongst Muslims throughout many of its teachings. In fact, the Holy Quran states in chapter 3, verse 104, and hold fast altogether by the rope of Allah, and be not divided. And remember the favor of Allah, which he has bestowed upon you when you were enemies, and he united your hearts in love, so that by his grace you became as brothers, and you were on the brink of a pit of fire, and he saved you from it. Thus does Allah explain to you his commandments, that you may be guided. Melissa, can you talk a little bit about what this verse means and why unity is emphasized so much in Islam? 
Yeah, so starting with the verse that you quoted, Quranic commentaries can tell us broadly speaking about three things which may be taken to have meant by the rope of Allah. And the first and foremost of them are using the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet's uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Muslims are taught to remain steadfast and patient throughout their lives and hold on tightly to their connection with God and to strive to strengthen it too. But I think you picked out a really good point here and that's to use the term altogether. And I think the language used in this verse is quite thought provoking and it's almost like a rope team climbing a mountain together. And the rope serves as the purpose of safety and to prevent another person from falling. And the same perspective may be applied here. Allah, God, is teaching Muslims that it's more beneficial to strive together, unified. In fact, another verse of the Holy Quran tells us that there are three ways a Muslim may achieve and maintain spiritual success. And amongst these is remaining united. And this is found in the commentary of chapter 8, verse 47 of the Holy Quran. So I think these teachings, they remind Muslims that the success of one person can mean success for others. But those who have difficulty should not be let go or cut off, but rather they should be supported to hold on to the rope of Allah by those around them. And I think this goes back to what you were saying earlier too, Michelle, about the importance of community for the development of positive behaviours and mental health and spiritual health also benefits from community too. And ultimately, I feel like Islam emphasizes unity to promote that idea that nothing is possible alone. And Islam has this concept of the rights owed to God, Allah, and the rights owed to humanity or creation, Hukukalibad. And congregational worship is enjoined as a way to seek nearness with both God, but shoulder to shoulder with your fellow humans too. And as for our purpose here, the Holy Quran teaches that we're here to worship God. And for humans, of course, we live in communities and living peacefully and serving others is also a right ode to God, too. Yep, that's true. Um, thank you for exploring this verse for us, Melissa. For spiritual success. Islam exemplifies unity in a variety of ways. The most beautiful example of unity is the five daily prayers. As you m mentioned, Melissa, the way we strive to offer them in congregation is so beautiful. In fact, we get more blessings from Allah Almighty if we happen to say our prayers in congregation. And I feel as though this portrays just how important it is in the eyes of Allah that we're united. Another one of the greatest examples of unity as, as exemplified not only in Islam, but is probably one of the best examples of display of unity in this world is facing the Qibla. In other words, the direction to the Kaaba in Mecca when we pray. Hajj is yet another example of unity being practiced in Islam. There aren't that many events that can compare to Hajj, as millions of people come together with one common goal, which is to strengthen their bond with Allah. I think it's really, really important that you mentioned maintenance there, Melissa. I think every believer can attest that the strive for a connection with God, the strive for righteousness in accordance with Islam, is not a straightforward path to walk nor is it achieved and never lost. There are peaks and there are troughs and holding on to community, feeling united on this journey, helps us to remain steadfast and keep going. To maintain a constant jihad, that's spiritual struggle. And uh, I think a very visual and prominent example of unity or community with Islam, within Islam is uh, congregational prayer. So Simon, I'd like to ask you now, how is congregational prayer different to individual prayer? And why is congregational prayer encouraged so much in Islam? 
So Muslims are instructed to complete five compulsory prayers during the day. These may be offered alone, but it is better to do them in congregation. During the congregational prayer, there is one Imam, an individual who will read the prayer and recite parts of it out loud. The rest of the believers will follow the Imam's lead all at the same time. Now, before I get to your question, I do want to clarify that congregational prayer is equally as valuable among both men and women. There is a huge misconception that women are not encouraged to come to the mosque for congregational prayers, whereas that's completely incorrect. First of all, women have the right to choose whether they wish to pray in their home or at the mosque. There is no compulsion among them. However, it is obligatory for men to attend congregational prayers in the mosque. In fact, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said the best prayer of a Muslim woman is at her home, Musad Ahmed, as women are the cornerstones of their homes. However, one key point to clarify and bear in mind is that men do not have the right to prevent women from praying in the mosque, should women choose to, as many women in our MD Muslim Muslim community do. One thing I heard a lot during the COVID-19 pandemic, and I think you can all agree with me, is the fact that despite our mosque having shut down due to the guidelines from the government, our community advised that congregational prayer should still take place at home with our families. Now it's highly encouraged in Islam for a number of reasons. The first being the fact that according to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings be upon him, Congregational prayers rewards a believer 27 times more than if that believer had prayed alone. The biggest reason for this is because congregational prayer encourages unity among the worshippers. This is clear from the way we simply pray. We all stand in a line, shoulder to shoulder. Of course, it wasn't shoulder to shoulder during the height of the pandemic, but essentially the concept was still there. And all our hills are aligned. The way we stand does not differ depending on one's social status or their wealth. We all stand completely the same. So, ego and selfishness does not last in this setting. His Holiness, Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, has said, and I quote, Every individual who wishes to become a worshipping servant of Allah the Exalted, wishes to acquire his nearness, wishes to purify himself and his future generations, wishes to save himself, from the onslaughts of Satan, there is only one method, and that is pay attention to worship. And the most important aspect of this is congregational prayer." End quote. In another address, His Holiness quoted the words of the promised Messiah, who first highlighted that the participants of congregational prayer should act as if they are one being. He explained that this allows for members of the congregation to be influenced by one another, be inspired by each other's piety and devotion, and feel motivated towards spiritual advancement. This echoes the verse of the Holy Quran that you mentioned earlier, Michelle, where Muslims must hold onto the rope of Allah altogether. We can all benefit spiritually from one, from one another's good deeds, piety and righteousness. During the annual convention, we are surrounded by other believers and worshippers, and this three-day event allows us to pray in congregation with a larger number of people than we're used to, essentially thousands of people, and the blessings from these prayers are immense. That's really beautiful. Thank you for explaining that. I'd like to put the next question out to the studio. Can you attest to the benefits of congregational prayer that have been described? 
How do you feel after participating in congregational prayers? Absolutely. I think even more so at the annual convention, if Khilafat or the Caliph is the glue of the convention, then praying together is the bread and butter of it. And this is what the convention is all about, communal worship, shoulder to shoulder with other sisters from all over the country and the world, as Jalsa Salana is unique in that it's usually the international convention which hosts guests from all over the world. And it's beautiful to see how Islam shows complete equity and unity of both men and women. And we have two parts to the Jalsa site. The men's side operate their side and the women's side operate their own. And it's an opportunity to pray together amongst thousands of other women who seek to deepen their connection with their creator. And we all follow in prayer behind the caliph for the five daily prayers. And this convention is the is what the UK coins the caliph's jalsa for the very reason that his holiness leads all the prayers from the gardens of the Messiah or Hadikatul Mahdi in Arabic, as the site is called. And this is a great privilege in itself as the weekend convention is designed around the congregational prayers. And in my experience, the pre-dawn prayer is the most beautiful as it can be the most reflective. The quietness of the still countryside air before the rest of the UK has woken up is very centering. And going to the main arena tent where thousands have gathered to worship God together can be quite an emotional actually and knowing just how special an experience this is. It's an extremely spiritually uplifting time to be able to stand in prayer with thousands of other women and it's the biggest gathering of Ahmadi Muslim women in the UK and quite possibly the world. Jazakallah for sharing that with us, Melissa. We're now going to take a quick break. We look forward to continuing the conversation following the break. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. Irma Bombeck. Welcome back, everyone. We're here live from the annual convention, also known as Jalsa Salana. It is such a ba- beautiful gathering. There's no other gathering that can quite compare to it. I feel like I'm getting quite emotional about just how blessed we are to have an event like this and just how fortunate we are to be in this community and to have each other's support. It truly does mean everything. Aside from the feeling of congregational prayers at the convention, I think there's an unparalleled serenity that comes from congregational prayers in general. Be it at the mosque or even in our own homes, you get this feeling of connection that for me doesn't exist anywhere else. Can you elaborate on this, Hola? Yeah, so there are two things that come to my mind when you ask me this question, Michelle. First, of course, the teachings in Islam relating to the benefits of congregational prayers. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has explained the benefit of congregational prayer in the most noteworthy way, saying, not only that, but this is a kind of frontier. So to me, this conjures up a very impactful and moving image of congregational prayers and that we stand together, pray together so that we can protect ourselves from the evils that pervade this world. And building on this concept of the unity that comes from praying together, the promised Messiah on whom be peace stated, the rationale behind putting more reward in congregational prayers is that it creates unity. And as Simil explained earlier, the instructions to practically implement unity are so particular that even the feet are required to be aligned and the rows must be straight and worshippers should be standing connected to each other. It means that they must all act like one being. The promised Messiah on whom be peace beautifully personifies his purpose of this act of standing together in rows as being so that one's illuminations can permeate into others. And the disparity that gives birth to ego and selfishness does not last in such a setting. Remarkably, he's reminded us that 
Bear this in mind that human beings have the capacity to absorb another person's illuminations. I certainly can attest to this feeling that comes from praying alongside others in congregational prayers. It inspires goodness in me and makes me feel stronger in my faith. And along with it comes a yearning to continue participating in con congregational prayers and so whenever I do participate in such prayers I find it helps me to advance spiritually. The second point which came to mind when you asked me this is something that changed my mindset completely about congregational prayers when I heard of it. Many years ago now I recall that uh, I learned that not every Ahmadi Muslim is blessed with the opportunity to participate in congregational prayers because of the strict laws in some countries that bar them from practicing their religion. And I remember years ago in the days leading up to the annual convention I attended the mosque for Friday prayers um, led behind His Holiness and Following the congregational prayers, I heard an elderly woman who was a guest from abroad remark in Urdu about how emotional she felt about being able to pray in a mosque, and that too behind His Holiness after so many years as it was not safe for women in her country to attend congregational prayers at the mosque. This was certainly a very humbling moment for me, because whilst I had previously recognised the benefit of participating in congregational prayers, because I had heard of the teachings I mentioned before, I felt somewhat guilty for not completely realising just how fortunate I was to be blessed with such an opportunity to participate in congregational prayers in a mosque, and that too behind Our Holiness without any hindrances. It definitely changed my mindset thereafter and made me appreciate such an opportunity even more, and I'm sure I speak for so many more when I say it was a very novel and disconcerting experience during the COVID-19 lockdown period for us too to have experienced what it is like to not be able to pray in a mosque or pray behind His Holiness. I vividly recall, for example, the first prayer behind His Holiness at Jalsa, the annual convention, last year, following the lockdown period, where so many of us were so overwhelmed from the emotions of being blessed with the opportunity to pray behind His Holiness again that women could be heard crying throughout the congregational prayer. I don't doubt that it would be, the similar, it would be somewhat similar this year as we return to the annual convention by the grace of God on a much larger scale as before, I eagerly anticipate it. Thank you for sharing that with us, Khola, especially the anecdote about recognizing how truly grateful we should be to have the freedom to pray in congregation. I think many of us can relate to this. I know some of our sisters on air panel are, by the grace of God, currently studying at university. It's such an incredible opportunity to meet people from all walks of life. But I remember that choosing to adhere to a Muslim lifestyle at university can present with its challenges. Khaloud, you're a medical student, and I know you touched on it earlier in the show, but I wanted you to expand a little and tell us about your thoughts on this and has and how this has been, um, you know, helpful in your faith. What role does the annual convention or Jalsa Salana have in this? Yeah, so I think anyone who's been to university can agree that it's unlike anything they've ever experienced before. And as anyone is when starting something new, I was also so nervous about starting off at a brand new place. I would worry about the workload, the people, if I'd be treated differently due to my hijab and being visibly Muslim. And also actually one of my biggest worries was if I'd even be able to understand the content and keep up with what was going on. Um, personally, I love talking to patients, taking histories, carrying out examinations and things, but when it comes to the theoretical side of medicine, in terms of sitting down and actually understanding the complex physiology and the pathological mechanisms and doing the written exams, I have to always work extra, extra hard. But can you imagine when I did start university, the way 
God helped me overcome all those fears and honestly it was only due to the blessings of belonging to Islam and having that community and sisterhood. So right at the beginning of the year I was lucky to instantly connect with some other Muslim girls and we started a sort of like a revision club where we distributed content amongst each other and every every Saturday and Sunday morning on Zoom, um, one person would be in charge of teaching a topic to the group. And it started off as teaching on weekends, but as we started benefiting from it and as we all had you know similar values and motivations in terms of pursuing knowledge due to our shared Muslim identity, our revision club turned into so much more. Over WhatsApp, we started something called Motivational Mondays, where each Monday we would send quotes from the Holy Quran or a Hadith, that is, traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to motivate each other and remind each other of our purpose when things got really hard. And we also shared lots of resources with each other and any like revision websites or videos we came across that explained a specific topic really well. And if, for example, one of us received some teaching at our hospital placements from a consultant or a surgeon regarding a specific topic, we would come together over the weekend and teach each other all that we had learned. And eventually lots of others in our years joined in too and we would invite senior Muslim medical students and doctors to teach us and actually the advice and resources they gave us were invaluable in terms of revision and passing exams. Um, Just a couple of weeks ago when I had my end of year exams in June, at so many points I came across questions and topics that I would remember discussing over Zoom and I'd have to pause and just express gratitude to God for having had that community and having gone over those topics the way we did. So all those things I was talking about earlier about what I was nervous about when starting university, through the blessings of being Muslim and having that sisterhood and community, I was able to overcome them all. That's amazing, Halul. Maybe I should start doing that with my friends. (laughs) I think when it comes to the annual convention, it puts things into perspective. Actually, one of the experiences I had during my first year was that all the social events from my department were all places that I wasn't comfortable with, where drinking culture would thrive in that environment. And it definitely made me feel left out, especially because I did want to connect with other students in my course who had the same academic passion as me, but just didn't want to be, just didn't want to meet in such a place. Going to the annual convention makes you aware aware that you really aren't alone in feeling uncomfortable in certain environments. The annual convention reminds me that the world is simply temporary. It is better to follow the guidance of Allah the Almighty than for temporary enjoyment at the end of the day. In fact, His Holiness has himself said at the Jalsa Salana in 2019 to take pride in your modesty. You should not feel ashamed or left out of these temporary enjoyments. To delve a bit deeper into this mindset, in the Holy Quran it says, and I quote, And whatever you have been given is only a temporary provision of this life, but that with which is with Allah is better and more lasting for those who believe and put their trust in their Lord. Chapter 42, verse 37. Allah the Almighty has said that if we do not fulfill the rights of Allah, his worship and serving faith, then this worldly life will be like a sport and pastime for us. So just to summarize, the annual convention reminds me that I'm not alone. It helps me cling on to my faith and fully immerse myself into understanding how this world is simply temporary. Mm, Thank you for sharing with that 
sharing that with us ladies. It's nice to have an insight into how community is impacting the younger generation of Muslim women. Now, turning to another demographic, mothers. So I know, Melissa, that you have two young children by the grace of Allah. As a mother, how important is it for you and your children to grow up within a community? How do you think that will impact their spirituality and connection to God? What role does the annual convention play in this? And what do you hope that your children might gain from attending Jalsa? That is a big question. And I think many converts to Islam Ahmadiyya talk about the role that the community itself has on their lives. So naturally, obviously, I want this to extend to my children too, God willing. And for me, community and togetherness have everything to do with my journey to converting to Islam Ahmadiyya. And even now, 13 years later, the various ways in which I'm able to have that community in my life has been an immense source of comfort and peace for me. And like here now, being with you all in the studio, as I mentioned earlier, doing a live program, it's an experience I'll never, I'll never forget and I'll always remember it. And the community brings us closer to one another and we meet people we might never have met. As His Holiness, Mirza Masrur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, once said, a true community comes about when people are kind to one another and cover each other's faults. And this kindness within a community should be greater than the love between real brothers, end quote. And so for my children, I hope that they always feel a sense of that there's a spiritual family here in this community that goes beyond just me and my husband being their parents, but that this is actually a community who prays for each other and serve the purpose of looking after one another. And what's even more special, praying for each other too. And the annual convention is such a huge part of this because it showcases that everyone from all walks of life come together and serve each other. And there are people on hygiene duty, scrubbing toilets for thousands of people. I've got family members amongst the huge teams of people in the kitchens from dawn until dusk. And they prepare thousands of meals in the sweltering heat, purely for the benefit of serving the guests of the promised Messiah. So people come here and they don't do this for any worldly glory or fame. No one's paid to give them their time for this. It's purely for the sake of seeking God's happiness. And that's the spirit that I hope my children witness and feel for themselves as they grow older. And for my children, I hope and pray that they always find their purpose here. I mean, children as young as three and four give water duties, as, as you were saying er earlier, Khola, with water duty badges on, on, on their arm. And they're proud and they're happy that they can feel useful and serve other people. And there are young children filming and recording, <coughs> excuse me, filming and recording programs to be streamed live. And the skills learned here in this Hampshire field is more than just work experience for your CV. It's life skills of learning humility and action. And that's nothing without the strength that comes from God. And the sisterhood in this field is stronger than any other worldly bond. Absolutely. That's such a powerful message. I couldn't agree more. Being a mom to two kids myself, I understand the value of bringing our kids to this convention, as well as raising them as active members in this community. As you said, we would naturally want to extend the benefits that we feel that we've gotten from our faith onto our kids. So raising them with high standards of spirituality and morality is absolutely one of the biggest favors that we can do for them. I personally feel like I really want my children to be raised with a strong sense of identity, and I don't ever take it for granted that I've been born into the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and I feel great pride in knowing that I'm playing a small part in spreading the message that promises to bring peace to the corners of this earth. I personally feel like raising our kids in households in which we practice our faith actively gives them a strong sense of identity of who they are, which values they stand for, and what they believe in. As we said earlier, the community supports spiritual development. So bringing them to Jalsa or the annual convention where the community truly comes to life is extremely important for their development and growth. 
The energy and emotions that they'll feel from attending Jalsa is something they'll carry with them throughout their entire lives. And they'll actually seek strength from it at various moments of their lives. I can attest that I certainly do. Something that all panelists have attested to today and something that I still do. I remember when I was as young as maybe four or five and my parents would take me to the annual convention. And I can remember all the emotions that I would feel when I was there. And it gives me a really beautiful, warm feeling inside. That's exactly what I want to be able to give my children as well. So, Melissa, you mentioned converting to Islam, Ahmadiyya, and the role that community played in that. You joined the Ahmadiyya Muslim community at the occasion of the convention in 2009. Could you talk a little bit more about that experience? What was that like for you? And how did you feel when joining this community? So I joined this community 13 years ago, exactly at this annual convention. And I was 13 years old at the time. So I'm like in a halfway point in my life right now. So there could probably be a whole show on the experiences of converts as a whole. And I know there's many stories of faith that we can share. But for me as a young child, I knew that there was something so special about this community. And my older sister, Jasba was the first in my family to convert to Islam Ahmadiyyad. And then some years later, when I felt that I'd seen and learned enough to make my own informed decision, I then chose this path for myself too. And the experience of converting at Jalsa here at this annual convention was very surreal and probably an out-of-body experience, if I'm honest. I just remember walking around the Jalsa site and feeling like this community is how the world should be. And there was a great sense of calmness and peace amongst the people here. And I'd never, I've never attended Jalsa's in other countries, but here in the UK, the magnet, I know we spoke about magnetism before, but it is a magnetism that brings everyone together. It is His Holiness, the Caliph and the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who, who binds us all together. And every year on the Sunday, in the, during the Sunday session, he leads the community in an, an initi- initiation of faith called a Pledge of Allegiance to Islam Ahmadiyyad. And by repeating those words after him, it feels like you're all connected to each other in spirit and in prayer. So when I repeated those words to actually convert and choose this path for myself, it felt like a weight of the world had vanished from my shoulders. My worries and my fears gone. And you know what? Nothing has ever compared or it's never compared. It's never compared to that feeling since. So I don't consider myself to be on my own in this feeling either. I know many other converts share this sentiment too. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. We've been speaking quite generally about the community, and considering this is a women's show, it would be remiss of us to not talk about Lajna Maila. Lajna Maila means handmaidens of Allah. So we were first established in 1922 in India by His Holiness Mirza Bashir Din Mahmood Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, who is the community's second worldwide spiritual head. His wife, Hazrat Amtul Hay, had a great passion for development and progress of women, and it was her advice that this organization be initiated. And this organization has transformed the lives of women in this community. Such was her zest for learning and improving opportunities for women that Hazrat Amtul Hay, may Allah be pleased with her, wrote a letter to His Holiness before she was married to him in which she was requested uh, to arrange religious classes for women. So Lajna Maila began with only 14 members, and His Holiness remarked at the launch, aside from gaining personal and spiritual knowledge, henceforth the successful progress of the community is also dependent on efforts by women. So now I'd like to ask um, Khulud, could you tell us a little bit about sisterhood at the annual convention? Yes, of course. I know we're reaching the end of our program, so I'll sum it up in... Um, actually a quote from a blog piece I wrote last year 
So I wrote, if one was to ever ask me what true sisterhood is, I would bring them to the convention. I would show them how even from the very moment you set foot out of your car, you will probably encounter a sister who is getting out of hers. You will smile widely at each other and extend the peace and the blessings of Allah to each other. By the time you've walked through the parking lot and reached security, you've probably exchanged greetings a dozen times more. And as you walk through security into the heart of the ladies' arena, the number of times you've extended peace and greetings to each other probably nears a hundred. As you stand there at the heart of the arena and look around, you'll see sisters managing and leading teams. You'll see sisters serving meals and giving buggy lifts to the elderly. You'll see sisters providing security and medical attention. You'll see sisters of varying races, ages, backgrounds, all talking, laughing and greeting each other. You'll see sisters from completely different walks of life, but all with the same wide smile on their faces. Perhaps something you will not see, but only feel deep in your heart, is the strong unbreakable bond of unity and the overwhelming sense of love and friendship for each other. The rest of this is on the Voice of British Muslim Women blog website if you'd like to read it. You've painted a very accurate and very beautiful word picture there, Khalud. Organizing Jalsa Salana, the annual convention, is no small feat, and yet members of this community, year upon year, band together to volunteer to make it a success. Simil, how important is it to have a single leader to the strength of a community or to maintaining a community's core values? The community's core values are defined by the 10 conditions of Baird. Baird literally means to sell yourself or to make a pledge of allegiance to the current leader of the Andean Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Masrul Ahmed. It is a declaration of accepting Islam and Hadith. The simple act of a pledge of allegiance, where we repeat the words said by a caliph, strengthens our community together. Everyone places their hand on the shoulders of the person in front of them. And if you get the chance to see the live pictures from any pledge of allegiance ceremony, you can see a chain of people all connected together, with the core of the chain connected to his holiness. This act alone shows the strength and the bond of the community. From the humble beginning of this community with only 40 people participating in the first bed to millions today across more than 200 countries, as you mentioned, our community has grown, but it's also grown stronger. There are 10 conditions of birth as specified by the promised Messiah, peace be on him, who founded our community. And as Andy Muslims, by taking the Islamic Pledge of Allegiance, we have promised to stick to these um, 10 conditions as best as possible. As human beings, we're not perfect, so sometimes we need guidance on how to best stick to the right path. So developing a good relationship with our spiritual leader is important, and that can simply be through writing letters to him. We are encouraged to write letters to His Holiness about anything, whether that's about the issues of the modern world or issues within your own personal life. We end up getting answers to our letters, filling our hearts with certainty. And that's exactly what being united under one leader does. It makes you feel at peace because any questions you may have can be directed to one divinely appointed leader and can be answered. This allows us to stick to our core values as best as possible. Absolutely. Um, Khola, would you be able to elaborate on how young people in the community actually strive um, to gain nearness towards Khilafat? Um, and can you also talk about how you can achieve um, academic success as a result of um, uh, you know, attaining nearness to God and participating in the annual convention? Jazakum, Michelle. Um, 
I would have loved to have spoken about that, but I think given that we had some technical difficulties earlier, we are nearing the end of our time. But considering that we are now nearing the beginning of our Jalsa at 12 p.m. inshallah, how about we just end on the beautiful note of what we are most looking forward to? What do you think, Michelle? Yeah, that sounds great. So if I begin, um, I think what I'm looking most forward to and look most forward to at every Jalsa is that especially more so considering that we were deprived of its benefit during COVID-19, is the birth or the Pledge of Allegiance Ceremony, about which we have so passionately spoken about this morning. And birth is, of course, a Pledge of Allegiance, which is formally undertaken at the initiation ceremony when one joins the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, as Melissa explained earlier. The words we repeat after our caliph or khalifa at this inspiring ceremony begin by the Shahada, which is the Muslim declaration of oneness of Allah and of acknowledging the Holy Prophet as his messenger. It is an awe-inspiring ceremony whereby all those from near and afar, young and old, those who are born Ahmadis and those who have newly converted, people of all ethnicities, ethnicities come together to quite literally hold the hand of Khilafat and pledge their allegiance to Allah, their belief in the Holy Prophet and the Promised Messiah and loyalty to Ahmadiyya Khilafat. I remember growing up learning the significance and importance of the Pledge of Allegiance ceremony at the annual convention Jalsa. There was always a change in the atmosphere at Jalsa in the hours preceding the ceremony as everyone prepared for it. There's certainly a solemnness to it that is difficult to comprehend fully as a child and which only develops with age as one progresses in their spirituality as well. But I must admit, as a child I found it a little confusing why people cried during the ceremony and when I asked others, they couldn't quite explain. Only when I grew up, I also found myself unable to control my tears and now I understand that why they were unable to answer. It is just not possible to sum up what an emotional experience it is. So now, 133 years later, since the first birth ceremony, we are fortunate enough to be here at Hadith al-Madhi and will, inshallah, God willing, witness this amazing ceremony yet again on on Sunday. Jazakallah for for telling that to us, Khola. That was very informative and beautiful. So to end our show, I want to thank our listeners today and our Sisters on Air panelists for joining this discussion and sharing your knowledge and personal experiences. You have been listening to Sisters on Air on the Voice of Islam Radio, produced by Durish Var Anwar and Shermeen Butt.